This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Oh, we've taken overtime to an entirely different level, like extending, overextending our stay, Marty, here in Vegas. We are on the road for the podcast this week, uh, intentionally, unintentionally. I don't even know anymore. And we have a special guest coming up that I might put it in these terms. He might well be the Mike Sillinger of hockey writers based on his career path. I mean, the Windsor star national post Leafs TV, ESPN.com, Dallas stars, Carolina hurricanes, the athletic daily face-off. And I think there's a few more freelance opportunities he's had in there along the way. He is the one and only Scott Burnside and what a great dude this man is. He's fantastic. And listen, there's people that get traded in hockey because nobody wants them. They go on and they're called suitcase, but there's bad suitcases. And then there's great suitcases. People that get traded because everybody wants them. Well, Scott Burnside falls into that category. He's so good that people want him. So they poach and they get him and then he bounces from one place to another. But that's because everybody loves him. Everybody wants him. And we are so happy to have him on the Instigator podcast. And he's always had that ability to tackle the serious and then as light as it can be within the game, it's his smiling face and incredible vocabulary that can bring it to life in print or on your screen, like on a podcast today. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York, Seneca resorts and casinos, betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24 seven at all three locations. So whether you're visiting Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny or Buffalo Creek, the sports lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens. So you never miss a play the sports book at Seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. So good to see this smiling and familiar face that has been around the NHL for Scotty. I'm going to say 30 years now. Is that right? 120. I, no, I, I can't. You know what? It, it's been, uh, I started, uh, as you know, Duffer, uh, I was a news guy for a long time. And uh, so I, I started covering the NHL in 1997. I was lucky. I moved from news to sports. And I covered back-to-back. Stanley Cup championships in Detroit in 97 and 98. So that was pretty good, pretty good way to go. And I've uh, managed to hang around. I'm, I, I just keep hanging around and hanging around. So it's good. Thanks for having me aboard. No, it's great to have you. So you talk about Stanley Cups 97, 98. You've done a lot of all-star games. Best either cup finals or all-star game that you've attended. Like which one would you say that was the top event? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I will say uh, All-Star in Nashville, absolutely <laughs> epic. Um, it, uh, that was an epic event. So that was the end. Uh, and then followed, I can't remember whether it was the same year or the next year, but the Stanley Cup final yeah. in Nashville, uh, I still remember the, just the throngs on Broadway in Nashville uh, during that Stanley Cup final against Pittsburgh. And I, my family was, I remember walking by, I think it was Tootsie's and uh, like, uh, I think Rex Ryan and his brother were there. And uh, later we got back to the hotel and it turned out they'd been involved in a scrap just after <laughs> we passed by. I said to my son, those, those, that's where we were. So yeah, Nashville, 
a final and all-star those are pretty good but I, i'm lucky right i i yeah, i feel very very fortunate having covered a lot of stanley cup final did three olympics um yeah i feel i feel very fortunate they're all and i say you know sound kind of wishy-washy but honestly these events they they're all unique in their own sort of special way um and i'll tell you after the last two years i feel pretty darn lucky to be here in vegas and and you know running into you guys and you know seeing players and coaches and uh, you know, there's a certain cynicism about the all-star game. I think Marty, I mean, maybe, I, you know, I don't know what it's yeah. like, you know, the players, maybe guys don't want to be bothered, all those kinds of things. I, I think especially this year, it has the potential to be something really special. And I think there are going to be like 20 first time players in the game. I, I think it's great. I feel lucky to be here. I wasn't cynical about the all-star game. I knew I was on vacation for those three days because I never got invited. So that was awesome for me. <laughs> you're an all-star in my heart. Though, so. Oh, thank you. Although Duffer had a great idea yesterday. He said, you know, for all the breakaway challenge, why don't they invite all the emergency backup goaltenders around the league and get great them idea. to face those? Because nobody wants to do it. So I'm like, maybe I'd put my name in the hat for being an emergency backup just so I can experience the all-star game one time. So that's what yeah. I would do. Well, we also know that you did go through COVID protocol testing last year because it did get pretty dire for a Sabres, uh, you know, the crease situation. Oh, I did, so, yes. So, so you you were very close to that status. And Scotty, by the way, amen to everything you said about the opportunity, the fortune, great fortune that we've had over the years to stay involved in this game from whatever level you, you want to describe it as. But Marty, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. The absolute most hungover <clears throat> I have ever been on air in my broadcasting career ever without question was after Scott Burnside's 40th birthday party in Toronto. And we had to go on air the next day, not until five o'clock PM to do Leafs today. And I still don't know how we made it through. I was never very good at Leafs TV anyway. So no one could tell whether I was banged up or not. So it didn't matter, but no Marty, I, I will say, I don't know. Do we have two hours for the podcast? But uh, when I uh, I first started to do television regularly with Duffer at Least TV, John Shannon was running the show. It yeah. was outstanding, and there were moments where I would be at uh, Air Canada Center doing Leafs, and uh, Chris Clark, the producer, he'd be in my ear, and he'd be, "Okay, we need you to, you know, go for three minutes." I'd be, "Okay," and he's like, "You don't have to answer me. You're live on TV," and I was like, "Okay," and so. <laughs> to answer even though i didn't need to so there were some rough moments there i i again you know, i feel i feel grateful uh that i had the opportunity to work a song alongside a pro like duffer and john shannon gave me a shot i you know i catch up with john you know pretty regularly and you know i, I again it, it was pretty rough around the edges i i admit all of that so i i, I, well, I sound i sound like i got banged up the last few days but my problem is i just lose my voice when I do events and talk to a lot of people and years ago we were doing a, um, a playoff series between Montreal and Boston. And that's when I got to find out that the writers, they can go after it. Like Chris Johnson, Pierre Lebrun, all these guys, they went after it. And I was like, wow, like they don't have to be on TV tomorrow, but now they do, they all do TV. That's so great. I wonder if they, they dialed it back a little bit, but anyway, that was awesome. Marty, they all, they all learned it from Scotty. I can tell you that <laughs> firsthand. So I'm not sure that's true, but I, I do happen to know, and I, I sort of a badge of honor 
if if you are on on the road somewhere and you are looking for some place a little downscale, maybe a little edgy, I might be able to help you out, Marty. So you just just shoot me a text if you have any questions. In fact, I found a great place here in Vegas, so I'll tell you about it after. <laughs> okay, I'm excited about that. But Scott, what what is top of mind for you? And I mean, the news cycle changes all the time, right? But like you're sitting here, you're in Vegas, you're getting ready for the event that is the weekend. But what is top of mind for you in the hockey world right now? Yeah, I mean, we just got done taping a show for a daily face-off and we talked about the Chicago Blackhawks and their presser last night. Uh, just a, an absolute disaster from Chairman Rocky Wirtz. And I'm curious... I'm curious to see what the fallout is from that because I think there has to be. I know he issued an apology, but like it's hard to imagine he could have handled that any more poorly than he did. And so that's it's discouraging. Um, you know, and I think we still have a lot of work to do. We've seen incidents at the CHL and AHL level over the last month or so. And um, you know, I know the the league is is working, it's such a slow process to when you talk about inclusivity and talk about issues of racism. It's, it's hard. It, it, it's hard, but it needs to be, it just needs to be taken care of. And it, and so I, I hope there's continued diligence on that front, you know, on the hockey side of it, it feels like, it feels like the trade deadlines still, you know, way off in the distance, you know, March 21st, it feels like a long way away. And certainly the Eastern conference right now, like it's completely, I see zero chance that there's going to be a change in the top eight. So, you know, the, the, the lead up to the trade deadline is all about positioning in the East, but the West, I mean, how much fun, you know, if you, I was watching that Edmonton Washington game last night and yeah. you know, with Evander Kane there, uh, that the West is so fluid, you know, who, you know, who's selling like is Vancouver selling uh, is JT Miller going to be on the move. It's hard to imagine Jim Rutherford and his new management team aren't looking at all the options there, but, they're, you know, they're right in the hunt. So I, I'm looking forward to, I'm actually going to get to answering your question. I'm looking forward to that, that what happens between now and the trade deadline, even though it's a long time away, there's so much to me undecided, especially in the Western conference about what teams are going to do. How do they approach it? Um, you know, Anaheim just announcing their new GM, Pat Verbeek, what a great hire, I think for the ducks, but they've got, you know, two cornerstone defensemen who are going to be UFAs and Josh Manson and um, Hampus Lindholm. You know, what, what happens to that team? They're a playoff team right now, but can you keep both those guys? Anyway, that's what I'm looking forward to on the hockey front on the ice. What's the talk about uh, around the, the media room or your colleagues with uh, the revenues? Two months ago, Gary Bettman is on, uh, you know, doing his press availability. We're back to where we were pre-pandemic, 5 billion. We're, you know, the cap's going to go up and then boom, Omicron squashes that. No fans in Canada. We don't know when. I mean, they're saying in, you know, late February, they'll be able to get fans and, you know, 50%, then in March, maybe 100%. But who knows if that's going to happen. When Gary Bettman speaks at the, at the All-Star game, like, what is he going to be able to say about the revenues? Because they're, they're being crushed right now around the national hockey league. Yeah, no, it's, it's you're Marty, you're totally correct. And it, it will be interesting to see. And I, I give all the Steve Hatsi Peros, uh, Petros, uh, I always say it wrong. Um, but the schedule maker and his staff, all the thing, all the 
the hurdles they've had in, in rescheduling the postponed games and trying to get games delayed in Canada. So to address your point that there may be fans paying fans in the stands at some point. And I think the fact that they've relaxed and and readdressed the protocols for players and staff coming out of all-star break. I, I, I just, I feel that we're, we are inching closer to whether it's herd immunity or whatever it is that we're, where we're going to see healthy teams. Hopefully we're not going to see more postponements because of COVID. Um, And I think as a result of that, you know, maybe, maybe the financial picture starts to get back to where Gary was talking about before the, the outbreak. Um, But it's tough and it's, and it's so hard for teams. You know, there's so many teams that are at the cap and trying to manage the flat cap moving forward. Um, And it, I think it changes, you know, how do you, how do you address the trade deadline? Looking forward to what does free agency look like? You know, we've still seen defensemen still, you know, elite defensemen are now in that $9 million range uh, in spite of the flat cap. So that, you know, elite players are still going to get paid. But to me, it's that middle class um, player that that really is going to get squeezed by this. But Marty, I, it, it's it's hard. And you know that owners across the board are, are hurting from this, just like people in every walk of life. So I do hope that we are getting to a point where fans will be able to come back. We'll see a full playoff run um, and, and that that maybe it won't be as dire because the NHL was able to use the Olympic break to reschedule games and, and maybe more fans will be in, in seats as, as we move forward. Boy, Marty, when Scotty just laid out, um, you know, the, the players that potentially can get squeezed in a situation like this, it all, all it reminded me of was what we talked about this week on our instigator show and how well positioned the Florida Panthers are with a bunch of really smart deals already on the books for the next year, two or three. And Holy cow. Like they, they are, they are in a wonderful position right now. It's, it's impressive. Um, well, Scotty. they're lucky because they got one bad deal in that, but uh, I mean, they, they're able to make it live with Bobrovsky right, right now, but uh, that's the first one that I thought, Oh, oh, and then they hit on all the other ones. So that worked mm-hmm. out for them. Yeah. So, uh, I want to, I want to ask you, look at me, Duffer. I'm hijacking your podcast. Good. I'm curious. What do you, what do you guys make of, you know, when you think of the East and certainly in that Atlantic with Tampa, um, Toronto and, uh, Florida pretty, I think, locked into the top three spots. I know Boston sort of lurking there, but those are the top three. I mean, who do you who do you like? I mean, Carolina, I do some content for the Hurricanes, so I spend a lot of time there. Man, I love how that team is built. And yeah. Brendan Moore is just, for my money, you know, the best coach in the NHL. The guys love him there. So, But there's so much. I don't know that there's all that much that separates, you know, the top two or three teams, if you can identify them in the East, from – you know, whether it's going to be Boston at who comes in at number eight or Pittsburgh or Washington who finishes at eight, mm-hmm. what, what you, how do you handicap the, the East? Go, you go Marty. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, because I know the, the Duffer's love for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm going to predict here that it could be, another one first round exit for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which would send Toronto in a complete fire burner frenzy. Right. And I think Duffer would probably have a nice little smile on his face when that happens. So again, I think you're right, Scott, it's like crazy to think that the Toronto Maple Leafs with all well, they're playing could be boom out in the first round because they'll run into Florida or Tampa right away and it could knock them out. So 
Um, the East is absolutely crazy. I will say this, and Marty eh, hates too strong of a word, but Marty doesn't love it when I focus on today's approach from some coaches, which is outscore your problems because he's a believer in defense will ultimately win. Because for you. I don't want to deal with anybody else's problem as a goalie play the game the right way. <laughs> I look at six of the top seven teams in the league right now. They are all elite goal scoring teams. I mean, elite. And I don't think it's coincidence that they rank as high as they do. Now, what else we're doing this year that I can honestly say personally, I have never done because hockey has always been about the points in the standings. Oh, we're six points behind. We're eight. We're two. We're four. Uh, uh-uh. this year, it's all about points percentage. Totally. I've never, never really cared to look at it, but you have to now because of the eight game disparity of games played by some teams. And again, all those top offensive teams are all the ones that are over 700 right now in points percentage. Easy. And teams like Minnesota are pushing 800 since Thanksgiving. Like, does anybody realize how good 800 points percentage is? <laughs> like, oh my God. So, uh, man, I can't answer it. Carolina's been one of the best for a couple of years now at, at five on five goals for and against differential. But Florida, because they score so much, is in there too. I, I think Toronto has still not hit their peak and they've just been able to put the pedal down on teams lately when they fall behind. And I know sometimes it's not the best teams, but still in today's world, you've got to be able to a handle when your team blows a two or three goal lead, but you've also got to have the ability to come back because it, it happens multiple times every single night teams throw away multi-goal leads and uh, Scotty, I cannot answer that question. I, I honestly, what makes me sick about it is that I don't instinctively think of Tampa at the top when they deserve to be the team that should just say, ah, oh, yeah, they'll win it again because they're so good. I have, yeah, it's I, true. I have a hard time saying that. I, 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 I don't know why. They're, they're so good. I, I'm totally with you. And, and I don't know that there's a real, like I think in the West, it, it's, gonna, it's a different dynamic. So you're going to have, the wildcard teams in the West are at least one wildcard team. I, I think, you know, the Central's, they're likely going to send five teams, but certainly the, they're, you know, Nashville's a real deal, playing very well. UC Saros has been great. And, you know, we know Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson finally playing you know, exceptionally well for John Hines. Um, you know, St. Louis, Minnesota, uh, and Colorado, obviously, it's, it's going to win that division. But there is going to be a benefit, I think, in the West to being the top team maybe an easier matchup in in the first round i know that's a relative term mm -hmm. i just don't see that in the east like so if let's say it's tampa carolina ends up as the top seed in the east and your reward is washington and ovechkin and maybe hart trophy winner maybe it's pittsburgh maybe it's boston i don't know it's it, it it's so hard to handicap I, I i i can't wait for it though because i'm I'm already anticipating what kind of drama there's going to be. You guys touched on it. Like the Leafs, you're right. They're likely going to draw either Tampa or Florida in the first round. And what, you know, is it 50-50? Not probably not even 50-50 that they could win that series. That's, it's incredible. So you mentioned Colorado. Um, does Colorado have a goalie problem? Uh, you know, Darcy Kemper is is got a good record, but I don't know that he's, on the same level as Vasilevsky or 
uh, some of the goalies like that that are really stealing games and can steal a series. So, you know, we talked trade deadline that is still two months away. Is Colorado thinking, well, we should upgrade a net? Is is that too too crazy to think that they may have to do that? Yeah, I I don't I don't mind the goaltending and yeah, Darcy Cumberu is. There were some moments early on that you wondered if that you know if they they'd gone the right way. Although the way Philip Grubauer's played in Seattle for most of the season, I don't, you know, I, I think Darcy Kemper is going to be fine. Pavel Francouz, who's finally able to play after a couple of years, just horrific injury issues. He's the real deal. I think, you know, he, he's a goalie who could play if you needed him to play. It's interesting though. I was talking to a scout recently and we were talking about Jack Eichel coming into the lineup here in Vegas and he feels that if assuming that Eichel comes back and he's healthy and he's able to play at the level um, that we've seen him play when he was last healthy in Buffalo, um, he likes Vegas ahead of Colorado. And he likes them because, you know, Colorado got pushed around that playoff series last year. Now, maybe they learned that lesson. Maybe that's their big, you know, failing that they had to go through to win a cup. But he likes Vegas. He puts him ahead if with a healthy Eichel because of the center depth and they can play a heavier style. Can Colorado play that kind of style in a seven-game series mm-hmm. against a team like Vegas or St. Louis or, you know, Minnesota plays not so much heavy, but really up pace, four lines, rolling, rolling, rolling. Mm-hmm. I think that's the question for me. Do they need to bulk up on the blue line, another veteran guy? I mean, he didn't have Eric Johnson last year. He's such an important part of that. But that's that's what I'm thinking about. I don't know if it's the goaltending. If Joe Sackick's going to spend assets, my guess it's more, uh, you know, sort of filling in around the edges, veteran presence, something like that. That's my guess. I, 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 <laughs> I hate wishing away games <laughs> because we still have half a season to go. But, man, yeah. I can't wait for the playoffs. Like, it's going to be so, so good uh, this year. Tell us about your latest venture with the daily face-off and how it's going and how, I mean, Marty and I just talk about the work done by Frank and collectively all of you to, to, to just, I think, launch this with such, I mean, it has, it's got so much promise, but it's already delivering now. Like, that's the thing. I, I just think it was really, really well positioned and it's positioned in this world that we are deeply into already. And ironically here in Vegas, in the world of, bringing gambling into the mix right so t- tell us how it all came together and 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 your role and opportunity within it yeah i'm i'm very tiny cog in that machinery that's for sure but no it's been great and of course known frank servali for years and years and he's now the president of the phwa i was the president for a period of time before i um ended up in dallas for a year uh, and frank's done a great job tireless worker and man it's it, it really is amazing because in some ways it's so it's you know it keeping up on the news cycle. Um, you mentioned the betting element to it, which is so important for so many um, media outlets, teams. It's completely changed from when you and I started in a Duffer. You know where the NHL would never have even thought about having a team in Vegas, let alone you know the revenue source from betting on hockey and all those things that are connected to it. But um, yeah, and and. I'm happy. I write a couple of times a week for daily face off. We do a live streaming show, which I'm part of periodically. I do a podcast once a week with Mike McKenna, who is outstanding. Marty, we were talking about the goaltenders. 
Mike's off. He's in some ball hockey thing now with uh, spitting chicklets. Spitting chicklets. Yeah, that's so yeah, happening right as we speak. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a little bit <clears throat> concerned uh, about the the uh, you know the the injury possibility. So we'll see later this <laughs> afternoon. We'll get um, but it's you know it's fun. It's it, it, it it's fun for me. Um, you know, to contribute and you know, tell some tales and talk hockey. I, I have very little to complain about, my friend, but it is, it's fun to see how Daily Faceoff in, in a short period of time is, you know, has carved out a niche and it'll be interesting to see how it moves forward. I, you know, I think there's a, you know, tremendous appetite for hockey content and, you know, whether it's the fantasy end of things with line combinations and starting goalies, or maybe it's a story, maybe it's a podcast. Um, you know, it's all it's all good. I'm happy to be part of it. I'm happy, I'm happy they have me aboard. Well, for me, the biggest thing is even before you joined, Mike McKenna joined and Frank Saravalli joined, the dailyfaceoff.com was the resource to go and get lines. Like if you yeah. played the Dallas Stars, if Buffalo plays Dallas, and you could go and watch the game from the night before and write down the lines, but you're not sure, and maybe you'd you, you don't scour Twitter to see, well, what are the lines for Dallas? But while you go to dailyfaceoff.com, you click on Dallas, you click on line combination, boom, with jerseys, numbers, names, uh, power play unit, penalty killing unit. It, it is a resource for the hockey fans. So now that all of you great hockey people are on board, I think it's one of my, my go-to. Morning, let's go. And then you guys have the video player right there. You've got content i really recommend everybody to go and check dailyfaceup.com because it uh, for the hockey fans it has everything you need right there and well thank you and frank became one of the most influential scoop artists of the past year i mean well, he like, ruins the espn's uh, <laughs> big reveal for the seattle kraken <laughs> yeah I, I, I would think there was probably a uh Perhaps he was not all that popular in in the Seattle front office on the day of the expansion draft. And you're right. I mean, tremendous work by Frank to, um, you know, we we use the term insiders or whatever, but no, he's he works tirelessly at it, and he's really good at it. And he, yeah. you know, it's, it's there's a small group of of people who are like that. I mean, Marty, you worked with you and my good friend Pierre LeBron and Darren Greger, yeah. Elliot Friedman, and Chris Johnson, and but Frank is. <laughs> Again, it's a, it's a small elite group that are able to break that kind of news and have the resources to, um, you know, tell the inside story of, of the machinery of the game. And, I, and it's, I'm, I'm in all of awe, I'm in awe of all of them, uh, but certainly Frank has done an outstanding job with the, with the daily face-off. Scotty, you mentioned something right off the top uh, that I would love to circle back on here. And let me start it by saying, when I was in my 20s, I can't even begin to tell you how naive and stupid I was now looking back on it. So I don't want to put undue pressure on, um, you know, today's generation of young players. I also am quick to realize as a parent that young people today are just far more knowledgeable of the world and its issues than we ever were. because the good thing is, is they learn constantly, whether they realize it or not, what's going on in the world. So when I saw Anthony Duclair uh, tweet with great appreciation, 
uh, after a, another Panthers win this week, you know, the support that, that he felt and received by his teammates wearing, you know, the, the t-shirts to, to put an end to racism and, 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 and supporting the HDA. And it brought me back to when Matt Dumba was in the bubble and it was a very prominent moment, but after that moment, the one thing that stuck out to me was why, why aren't like most of the PA, like how hard would it be to wear a t-shirt on a game day? Like formula one does it before every single race, the drivers get out on the track, they pledge their, you know, support to end racism and there's a collective unity. And I'm not saying the players are not on board with this. I'm just dumbfounded that given what they know that Anthony Duclair's tweet stands out to me because the players did it once, you know, they wore t-shirts on a day. It's like, I just, I would, and we don't get to be around the room anymore, you know, but I would expect and hope if I was going into a room after a practice or a morning skate that I would see a bunch of guys wearing t-shirts like this because it would feel good to support a teammate and because it's the right thing to do. Uh, you're not wrong at all. I'm curious to see what Marty has to say about it because, you know, as a player and as a member of the NHLPA for years, you know, why, why is there that dynamic? I, I will say, you know, one of the things that, st that struck me recently, um, and it was after the incidents uh, in the CHL and the AHL, and I, I have so much time for John Tavares. And I know if you remember the morning it happened, he was, did the Zoom media briefing. And, and I, preemptive is not the right word, but said, you know, before we get started, I, I want to address this. And I just, I just thought that was so meaningful and powerful and important. And what I wish is that, like, what, what you know, good on John Tavares to do it, but like, why, you know, why was he the only one, right? Yeah. Like, where is, and I'm not throwing the veteran guys under the bus. I'm not saying, well, <clears throat> why didn't this player or that player say, it's like, but why was John Tavares alone in saying this happened? I'm going to talk about it because it's important to me and to my teammates and to everyone in the game that we address it. Why isn't that happening why didn't it happen in, in 32 cities? Why didn't it happen, you know, spontaneously around the league? And that's the disappointing part for me. And maybe Marty has a sense of it. Maybe it's just, you know, again, not to make excuses for players, but maybe it's they feel awkward about it or it's not their place or whatever it is. But it's unfortunate that there was one single player and, and, and really good on John Tavares for doing it, but really disappointing that he was the only one. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right there. Uh, I So when I retired, and it's already been eight years, um, it was different. And, and the different was not good different. It was just different that even Black hockey players that I played with, Mike Greer, uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, or from different ethnicity, like Richard Park with the New York Islanders, they, they didn't want to talk about it. It was like, I just want to play hockey. Like, I don't want to talk about it. And not that there was a lot to talk about because we 10, 20 years ago lived in different times. Uh, but I do think that now the majority of the younger generation wants to talk about it because they're on social media, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. They are seeing 
what is happening around the world of hockey and around the world in general and things that should should change. Um, you know, my son is 17 years old, plays 18U in Buffalo, and there is a, a black hockey player in his team. And I can guarantee you this, if something was said on the ice that crossed the line, they would be standing with their teammate, right? And, and right. that's obviously the extreme moment. But I do believe that, as Duffer pointed out, T-shirts, awareness, social media interaction, posts, that goes a long way. It doesn't have to be at the moment where you feel that a teammate is attacked by racism that you have to step in there. It has to be an everyday support to move forward to eradicate the, not just racism, but, but sexism and, and everything else. That, that is affecting our, our game of hockey and our society right now. So mm -hmm. I, I do agree with, uh, you know, with, with what John Tavares did, just saying, hey, I'm here yeah. to address it. And I think a lot more players will because they're getting trained now by agents, by community relations people, by public relations people. They're, they're being aware of what's going on. I hope so. Uh, um, I hope this weekend and every other weekend that follows is, is, is one where we can clearly see, uh, you know, the inspiration and motivation to be better among everyone in the game. Um, I, I would, I, I, Marty, I think, I know you're going to try and hit Scotty with a couple mm -hmm. of spontaneous dis or dats. I'm going to, on this particular issue, the, the last one I'll leave you with Scotty is, do you believe that the gap, that exists between the HDA and the NHL can be bridged here reasonably quickly. And, and we can have some meaningful progress from significant parties in this. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I, and I don't know, you know, again, I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, yeah. uh, but there's some, there, there's some serious issues there and, and there are issues on both sides. Um, so I'm not sure it's that easy, but it, I think it's critical. And you know, I wrote a piece uh, on the uh, Carnegie Initiative Summit in Boston that pre um, led up to the retirement uh, of uh, Willie O'Ree's jersey number 22 in Boston. And it, there's, you know, there's important work being done by a lot of people. It's not as fast. It's maybe it's not as impactful as some people would like. Man, the, to see the criticism, you know, to come from on that, you know, in, in, from some quarters on that, I think is I, it's difficult to understand, and um, I think it hurts the process that there is this divide. I'm just not sure that there's an easy fix for it. I hope I, I would. I think it's important though that there, you know, if they can find some common ground, I think it's critical to helping to speed up the process. I, I'm just not. I'm not sure. I'm optimistic that it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, five years is a long time. 10 years is a long time. You look at where we were 10 years ago and where we could be in 10 years. Uh, it couldn't make a lot of difference. Yes. Okay. Time for this or that. Not this or that. There's with a D, Scott. That's the French like accent you. in me. So I totally understood you. I got okay. you. Okay. Um, so you mentioned Colorado, Vegas, the beast in the West. Um, if you had to pick a team that's going to win the conference in the playoffs, this or that, Colorado or Vegas, for you, not for all your scouts and everybody you talk about, yep. for you. Yeah, I, I, I do like Vegas. I, I like. I think 
you know what? I, I hope Jack Eichel comes back and he's healthy and he's able to resume his career. So I like Vegas. I, I, I will say this. I have been so impressed with the St. Louis blues. I think Doug Armstrong said a fabulous oh. job there and good on Craig Berube, who I thought, listen, the last two years have been kind of, eh, you know, so I, I wondered if there might be some urgency for Craig Berube. Cause you know that um, Doug Armstrong is, he's, he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to do anything. And, and I just love that team. Jordan Cairo, who's going to be here in Vegas. Yeah. What a great story there. You know, the interesting part for me is Jordan Bennington going to be the starter, yeah. you know, come playoff time. I, I know it's a long time away, but Billy Huso has been so good there, but I like that blues team. They remind me a little bit. They play a little bit differently now, but they have that same kind of swagger that we saw late in that 18, 19 season. And I, I the blues are going to be a handful, whoever, However it goes, the Blues are going to be a handful. I don't know if they could knock off either Vegas and Colorado in a seven-game series, but the Blues are a team I would watch very closely. Well, Duffer would say Minnesota is a team to watch closely. So, totally agree. Uh, you know, totally but that agree. wasn't – Duffer, I'm sorry, Minnesota Wild were not part of the question, and Scotty took it to St. Louis. I can't control Scotty. He does what he, he has to do. Uh, okay, how about in the East? There's the Atlantic, which is Florida, Tampa, Toronto. And then in the Metro, I think we can pretty much say Carolina. So this or that, Carolina to win the East or the trio, the three Musketeers that are the, the Atlantic team, this or that, one of those two. Yeah, I'm with you. And I do provide content for the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay? I know, so that's I spend, why I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. I, I spent some time there. Um, I, I think, man, it's, it's so hard. And I do like Florida a lot. I'm not sure... I'm not sure, you know, coming out of that Atlantic is going to be tough. So I will say this. I, I love what Carolina has done. You know that Don Waddell has potential. Now they're tight against the cap. So it may be dollar in dollar out, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him add in a, a high profile defenseman, maybe a John Klingberg, who knows? Uh, I think there's a possibility to make that kind of ad in Carolina. Uh, Freddie Anderson's just been so outstanding the depth on that team. And I think they've learned lessons, right? They've had some hard, you know, disappointments. They lost twice to Boston in the playoffs and, and getting beat by Tampa. You know, they, I think that was a real lesson on what it truly takes, such a cliche, what, what it takes to, to win. I think they've learned that lesson. And I think it's the Canes who come out of the East. Okay, a couple more this or that. Um, the biggest surprise, and I also do a this or that or the other thing. So there's usually like a, a three-way now. So biggest gotcha. surprise this year that Jonathan Huberto is leading the league in scoring at all-star break that Alex Ovechkin doesn't seem to get older. He has 29 goals at all-star break or that Nazem Kadri is fourth in scoring behind Dreisaitl and McDavid at all-star break. So biggest surprise, this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, that's good. And that's an excellent question, Marty. That was well framed and well put. And all oh, of those I, are excellent. We had I'm going to gonna do, walk uh, out the door. I'm going to leave it at that right now. Let's be done. And, no, I'm, I'm, and I'm not just saying that. And I'm just not just trying to buy myself time to give you a proper answer. But you know what? Of, <laughs> of the group, we had to do a shadow heart trope. We, we did all our you know, mid-season awards. And I had Huberdo. I think I still had Ovi at one. I had Huberdo at two, I believe. But Nazem Kadri was in was was number three for me, and I think that especially given the injuries, you know, Nathan McKinnon's been in and out. Nazem Kadri for me, just such, and shouldn't be a surprise maybe, but such an important player for that team. 
And I think really that, that to me has been uh, maybe one of the most important parts of the best team in hockey right now. Okay. And then last but not least, it's the All-Star Weekend. Favorite skills competition event, the fastest skater or the hardest shot, this or that? I like both of them. I like the, you know what? I like the fastest skater. There's just mm -hmm. the drama of it. I, so I'm going with fastest skater. Um, and I, I'm sad that, uh, you know, that we no longer get to see Shea Weber in the hardest shot competition. So uh, I, I, I lament that. I'm going for fastest skater. Okay, Duffer, it's up to you. How much money does Nazem Kadri make as a free agent this summer? And where does he go? Yeah, you, I'm, I'm curious. Here's the thing. And I know people will joke, well, can he get through the playoffs without being suspended? But it's, not, it's a real thing. Yeah. So I think to me, the value for Nazem Kadri, yes, it's, it's, it's arcing up. You know, it, is it eight million? Is it, you know, like he's look at Duchesne or Johansson or, you know, the players in that eight plus range. He's mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. I think the playoffs are critically important as they are for the Avs as an organization, but for Nazem Kadri to prove that he can play at that level and be the leader that I think he's shown to be through the first half of the season. Can he do it in the playoffs? And that will determine it, you know, is is he inching closer to 9 million or whatever the number is, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a lot, but I think the playoffs are the determining factor on, you know, whether he breaks into that upper tier. Do you have a team in my, I think he ends up in Seattle. That's a good call. Yeah. Seattle. Um, yeah. I haven't really, you know, I don't, it, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what happens in a place like Anaheim now with Pat Verbeek, Verbeek there. Now we mentioned their yeah. UFAs. But, and they've got a ton of young talent. I think they're real close. But you also have to move forward there. You know, John Gibson's not getting any younger. Uh -huh. Take advantage of, of the prime window there for that exciting young team. Maybe he's a guy that fits there. I mean, I know is Ryan, you know, is Ryan gets left. Right. Like one more year. What happens with that? But good point. Seattle, Seattle. The other, the other place is Detroit. Something. The other place is Detroit because they have all the cap world in the world. All the cap space in the world. Sorry. Yeah. When yeah. well, that team is, listen, they're not, they're not, they, it's been impressive to watch Detroit. They're, they're close. Like next year, I would think that if you're Steve Eisman next year, you have to, like, you really, I think you have to be a playoff team or at least playing meaningful games into March and April next year. I, I mm -hmm. think that's how close they are. Scotty, we exhausted your time. Now we owe you a lot more money. Thank you for doing this. And we look Anytime. forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Oh, Scotty B's going to have himself a weekend here in cool. Vegas because he knows how to get the best out of everyone. He, he literally makes those around him better, whether it's in the arena, which is T-Mobile Arena right off to my right hand here, or at some place that uh, is nowhere near the Strip. Well, <laughs> it, we, as we record this, it is Thursday. We were supposed to fly out on Thursday. We've been obviously canceled and are going to fly out on Friday. If somehow we run into Scott's Burnside this afternoon or this evening, mm -hmm. I think we may miss our flights on Friday. So we have to, to find a way to be behaved and, and really disciplined tonight, Duffer, if we see Scotty around. Well, you know me, I want to be in person Key Bank Center Saturday night for the Bandits. So I'm going to yes. be trying my best to get home. But we've got to deliver three stars here on the Instigators Overtime podcast before we go. Go! Oh.
Okay, so my three stars all come with the fact that we are at all-star break and where is the league right now? So you talk about point percentage. Scotty talked about point percentage. I took the top three teams and kind of give you a little bit of why they are there. Florida Panthers, they score. They've got great players in Huberto and Barkov and now Sam Reinhardt and Marchment and Verhege and Lundell and Eggblad. And they're so good. So they are my third star at 0.734 win percentage. The Carolina Hurricanes, they are still a great team. Uh, they change their goaltending. They're well coached with Rod Brindamore, Sebastian Haho, Svetsnikov. They, they just keep rolling as a team. They have a 762 winning percentage. And the first star at 773 is the Colorado Avalanche. And this one's weird because they miss McKinnon for a lot of the season. Uh, they revamped their goaltender who has not played really well, but they do have Kale McCarr, Nazem Kadri, and Landis Granton and that have played so well. So the top three teams at all-star break, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, and Avalanche are my three stars. Okay. That pushes me into an area that will not surprise you. I'm going to go heavy on the presence of Minnesota within today's NHL. And I know we, you, and I have done this already, I think, but here's what's interesting now. Kevin Fiala was in no man's land. I mean, like about to be exiled from this team through his own play, through his seemingly poor relationship with the coach. He heads into this break, riding the NHL's longest active point streak at 12 gamer and has become critically important for this team moving forward. Congratulations, Kevin Fiala. He has also found chemistry with the number two star this week, which is Matt Boldy. Boldy has produced at a point of game since entering the NHL last year when the world juniors happened and we were still living off of the draft the previous year that had produced so many picks out of the development program. When Matt Boldy appeared on the world junior stage last year, I said, this guy is more ready than any of the rest of them. I couldn't wait to see him in the NHL. He is unbeaten in regulation. 9-0-1 as a player in the NHL. What an amazing feeling that's that is. Usually, to... That's usually a goalie stats, but now for Boldy, it's a player oh, stats. Oh, <laughs> what a feeling and what a boost of confidence that must be to come in and deliver like that. And this one is going to surprise you, but it ties in with the man who was our guest today. I believe, and I say this because Scott has always had my utmost respect. I was lucky enough to work side by side with him for days and weeks and months and years, quite frankly, at Leafs TV in Toronto. So I got a better understanding of what it's like to be really good at your job as a writer. Always had tremendous respect for them, but you it's like anything in life. The more time you spend next to someone, the more you understand their daily life. And I think as it ties in with Minnesota, and I also believe Scott Burnside would probably agree with all due respect to his good friend, Pierre Lebrun. I think Mike Russo is the best writer in the game today. And if you want to learn anything about hockey in Minnesota, the wild, the state of hockey and the NHL and have it written in such a way that you will carry some of those personal stories with you forever. From The Athletic, Mike Russo is, to me, hands down, the most most brilliant writer the NHL has. And every time he has a breaking story, I come away with it. I am so impressed by people with his ability. And so hats off to Mike. 
Yeah, he's pretty fantastic. Um, there are certain guys, Larry Brooks in New York, Mike Russo. You have the score, Scott Burnside that you remember as a player, right? When they walked into the room, you kind of looked over the side like, is he walking towards me? Is he going to ask me a question? And uh, yeah, Mike Russo and, and uh, Boldy and Fiala, uh, very, very deserving three stars from you, uh, Duffer. This or that, Friday or Saturday for us to return? Friday, better. <laughs> I got things to do this weekend, got a couple of youth hockey games. So, uh, you know, maybe you're listening to this on Saturday and you're going to go to Twitter or Instagram and say, where in the world is Duffer and Marty? Did they make it back to Buffalo? I hope that, uh, you know, looking ahead to the future, we do. Remember I told you I packed 12 pairs of pants? This is why they come in handy, <clears throat> Marty. I just hope I have a hotel room for tonight, which we have to go figure out right now. <laughs> Of course, I made you buy a modium for me, too. So 12 pairs of pants also comes in handy. <laughs> Little inside info, folks. We'll see you next time on Instigators Overtime, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos.